What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. It is another episode of Dog Talk with your host, Holden. Glad to have everybody here today as we get geared up for recapping recapping the clean old-fashioned hate game against Tech that happened this weekend. Uh, look at there, right off the top, I actually remembered the name of this rivalry instead of calling it whatever I was calling it last week. Uh, thank goodness, thank goodness, because I don't, I don't know what the deal was. It's like I just completely blanked on what in the world I was supposed to be calling it even though i knew it was in my brain the entire time i just could not spit it out and i finally did so you guys don't have to sit here and holler at me and and listening to it at work or wherever you are just saying it out loud looking looking funny uh but but anyway uh again glad to have you guys here big game this weekend not really the way we wanted it to go in the first half second half we looked a lot better um a wild weekend of college football the rivalry weekend always is and this weekend was no different no different a lot of shake up in these games that's going to shake up a lot in the playoffs coming forward we've got conference championship week coming up this week that we're going to break down later on in the week so you guys make sure you stick around for that later in the week make sure you guys are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts if you're watching on youtube same thing hit that bell as well so that way anytime i drop an episode boom you got it it immediately comes to your phone immediately goes to your youtube channel wherever you're watching listening like i said because um, that'll be coming out later this week as we get prepared for lsu but right now we're going to talk about this game against Georgia Tech got a little bit of news to talk about that's kind of come out over this uh, really this weekend between coaching mainly like the coaching carousel that's already getting started pretty pretty early we're not even at the end of the season yet we're just now getting to uh, end of the regular season but we still got a lot of football to play we still got a whole another month uh, plus really of football left to play so uh, that's that's what we got we're gonna get to the keys like we talked about at the end of this week coming into this did we match some of those we got a player of the week coming up predictions all that fun stuff you guys know how it is again if you guys are following on youtube make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button as well as like the video i greatly appreciate it and on twitter at dog talk 20 if you want to follow us there let's start with the news and notes first and foremost jumping into this thing uh, news and notes as far as coaching and things like that it looks like so far uh, nebraska they have hired head coach matt rule that was at baylor for a long time was very successful at baylor baylor back when they played us was that 2016, 18? I can't even remember what year it was now. When we played them, I believe, in the Sugar Bowl uh, in Atlanta. I may be blanking on exactly what it was. I feel like it was the Sugar Bowl. It's, it seems like what it's been. Uh, but it may not have been. But he was at Baylor then, turned the program around there, had Baylor as a winning team, and went on to the NFL to coach the Panthers. Not very successful there, but not a lot of college coaches are all that successful in the NFL. And I don't remember. I can't remember if he was in the NFL previous to be in there with the Panthers. I'm not 100% on that, so uh, he may have had success earlier in time. But did a really good job at Baylor, at least in the college, and it looks like he has signed a deal. Don't know what all the information is as far as that goes, but it is a done deal that he will be the next head coach at Nebraska. Lane Kiffin all week, we've kind of seen him going back and forth with this John guy on Twitter uh, trying to see, you know, he's reporting that Lane is headed to Auburn. It's a done deal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Lane is saying no. I've, I've not said such thing at all. I don't know what this reporting is. You know, just kind of some funny back and forth there. And then sure enough, after the Egg Bowl, Lane reassured Ole Miss that he would be sticking around. Something that I saw, kind of a wild figure, is that he could be sticking around for another eight-year contract extension there at Ole Miss, like $72 million, $85 million, something like that. Pretty pretty big number, putting him right at $9 million a year, I believe is what the number was. But still a lot of money. So right now, I don't know if that contract's been signed, the extension or what have you, but 
looks like Lane will be staying at Ole Miss. And the latest out of that, with him not going to Auburn, looks like it could be Hugh Freeze, could be the next guy that they're out of, out of Liberty. Obviously, he was at uh, Ole Miss there for a while as well. So he could be the next target for Auburn. I'm not sure. I know there's some controversy as where do you really want this guy coming in? You know, supposedly he's been rehabilitated being at Liberty and he's he's learned his lesson from his time at, uh, at Ole Miss. But, you know, I believe in second chances. Was that second chance at Liberty? Was that the second chance that he needed and could get back to the SEC? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't really know what's going to come of it. But that's kind of the conversation that's been gearing this direction over this weekend. So did at least want to come off the top with that with some of the news uh, and notes. I don't have a whole lot of other news and notes. Again, we're going to get into these games, and a lot of that is a lot of the news itself. AP poll still doesn't drop for about another hour or so, and it really doesn't matter. We're going to wait until Tuesday before we get that college football playoff uh, announcement as far as before these conference championships. Will that matter? I think it will matter a little bit, um, and we'll talk about that probably at the end. I'm going to go through my top seven of who I think the top seven should be right now, and then we're going to kind of pinpoint some details or some scenarios that could happen. Uh at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just something fun to talk about it because it's all going to work itself out this upcoming weekend on December 3rd. All of these conference title games, all these championships, they will work themselves out to determine who your top four is. And it could be chalk. It could be written just easy as pie. Here's the top four that are going to come out Tuesday. And as long as those top four teams win, chalk. That's the four teams that are going to be in the playoff. But all it takes is one or two of those teams losing. And all of a sudden, we got some stuff to talk about when it comes to that. So that's kind of what we're gearing up to. Uh, excited to get this show to you guys, and we'll get started talking about Georgia Tech now. Let's go ahead and jump into it. So recapping the <laughs> – almost said the greatest outdoor cocktail party again. Recapping clean old-fashioned hate here. We'll pull up the keys here in just a minute. I'll get them to you. Again, kind of a slow start to this football game. Uh, not exactly what we wanted. Georgia Tech started this football game off and drove right down the field. Drove right down the field. Uh, was a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous after seeing that, um, just because our defense really had not been moved on, and I think it had even showed that uh, Georgia had not given up a first-quarter touchdown in 15 games, maybe something like that, a pretty pretty substantial number of games. So, uh and then, lo and behold, Georgia Tech drives right down the field, and boom, they score. And I think the last time a team had scored on them at home or last time that they lost at home may have even been to Georgia Tech back in that 2016 season, uh, dating back that far. Um, so that was another thing we had lined up. But Georgia Tech drove it right down the field starting the game. They had a really good drive. Defense looked kind of shaky. We get on offense, and we look shaky too. I think we went three and out pretty much on the very start of this game. Um and I was starting to get nervous right off the bat because I was like, okay, we're not really playing up to the potential that we should be playing in this kind of a game. A team that is fighting to be bowl eligible, a team that uh, didn't look very good to start the season but has turned it around. And they've, quite frankly, they've beaten and upset a few teams that we didn't expect that to happen the week before this coming in. They upset a top 25 team in, in North Carolina. Uh, so... This wasn't just a game that you could walk into and sleepwalk into, and that's what it felt like we were doing very quickly in this game. Georgia doesn't score a touchdown in the first quarter. We get a field goal in the first quarter, but they get a touchdown of seven to three as we head to the second quarter. Later on in the second quarter, we do get another touch or we get a touchdown on the board. But we go to the half, ten to seven. Ten to seven didn't look all that good. 
was again not very nervous but kind of like all right it's kind of similar to the kentucky game it's like all right we gotta we gotta get things moving and i'm gonna tell you this you know we score a couple times there a couple field goals touchdown in the third quarter two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and then they have a, a big touchdown there in the fourth quarter as well when we have second string in but i'll say this part of me believes and it's kind of hard for me to believe this because there's some of these games you get into and it's like, all right, we should look better. We, sh we should be doing better than we are against the team that we're playing. And I'm not dating back to Missouri. I'm not dating back to those. I'm talking about these last couple of weeks in, in Kentucky where we just kind of eh, just kind of cruise through that one. I mean, you still win, but just just quiet. It didn't feel like uh, the win that Georgia should get. And then this one was the same way at halftime. Now, by the time we got to the fourth quarter – that was pretty much well out of out of reach to where it was like okay this this feels much better didn't feel good in the first half but second half especially later in the fourth quarter i felt really good didn't have much concern in this football game and i said this a couple of weeks ago and i'll reiterate it now once you get later in the season barring injury and things of that nature you should be able to take take care of teams that you should be able to take care of like a, a five and six georgia tech you know you should take care of them like you're supposed to like a like a, what, four and seven? What were they, four and seven, Texas A&M? You should be able to take care of these teams if you're one of these top-ranked teams. Again, barring injury, because if you have a serious injury, like what, to a quarterback who makes all the difference in your team, you know, like a Cam Newton back in, what, 2010, if you've got an injury like that with a big guy, yeah, you're, you're going to have a little bit of downfall when it comes to that. But if you're a fairly healthy team coming into these games, you should be able to take care of business fairly easily. And... It just didn't feel like we were doing that in the first half. Same way last week against Kentucky, um, but we started to get the ball rolling in the second half, just like we did in Kentucky. We kind of it never got to a point where I was like, "Oh, I'm a little nervous about this football game." You know, it, it, it just feels like we should pull away at any point, and we did in the end of that. And same thing once we got to the third and fourth quarter of this football game, we started to pull away, especially by the time we got to the start of the fourth quarter and a couple touchdowns in in the fourth quarter. It was like, "Okay, this game's out of hand. Nothing to worry about." Again, not so much worry, but. I'm starting to believe that maybe, just maybe, Georgia knows that they can handle business against Tech without having to do too much, without having to show too much. And I want to – two things. I want to believe that, and that's kind of what I hope. Because I hope it because if we get into a football game that's much more strenuous and we're playing like that, then the nerves truly will kick in. But I also kind of believe that that's what it's going to be. That's what it is because there's no reason we shouldn't have come into this football game. Granted, credit out to Georgia Tech, who they dialed up some pretty good plays on us. You know, the touchdown there at the end uh, with the little end of what is it, reverse quarterback goes in for a touchdown, something like that, pass, whatever it was, wide or either wide receiver or running back pass. Doesn't matter. But it just feels like Georgia's not really playing. They're not showing all their cards. It's almost like we're sitting back and kind of okay we just got to get through this game get through it healthy it's a big one we don't have to show everything we've got because we can beat this team without having to do that i mean the entire fourth quarter you had second and third string guys on offense and defense take four string when you talk about our running backs which i mean you get down to third and fourth string of georgia's running backs and it's like th those guys are starters those guys aren't they're not backups but they are that's the unbelievable thing even carson beck is a backup quarterback uh, to stetson bennett I mean, he could be a starter at a lot of schools right now. Now, he didn't necessarily have the greatest day. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But regardless, 
I mean, we're, we're, I, I still just don't think we're showing everything there is to show. And I still am not sure. We'll talk about it this coming week against LSU. I'm not sure that we're going to see everything we've got in that game either. I'm not sure that we're really going to start pushing stuff out until it's get to the playoff. Now, you have to win next week. So if there's a situation where we get into a pickle and it's like, all right, we're down or we're struggling or we're in a situation where, all right, we need to start putting up some points so we can put this game away, I think you'll probably start to see flashes of that. Now, the O-line, they did a very good job yesterday, very good job of opening up holes. Occasionally, Stetson did have to scramble, but they were doing a good job of opening up holes for running backs to run through. We're going to talk about that when it comes to some of the stats in this game. Um, but, I, again, I just feel like Georgia's not quite showing everything they have to show yet. And why would you? Again, against a Georgia Tech team that you should be able to take care of one way or another, I probably wouldn't show the, everything that there is to show either. Let's look at the keys to the game coming into this one. Offensively, it was starting fast, no dumb penalties, and play within. Now, offensively, we did not start fast. Defensively, you know, kind of the same thing, really. Lackluster, that first drive for Georgia Tech, letting them drive down the field and score. Uh, so it was, eh, not really starting fast in this game. Again, 10-7 to 7 at the half. So not really putting a check mark by that one. No dumb penalties. We did okay on offense. We had a couple of penalties here or there that were that were interesting. Uh, one that was later in the game, really, with a, with a pass interference call on Lab McConkey that I still don't understand. And I'm not going to blame the referees here. I'm not, but there was some awful, awful officiating in this game. Not only with with flags thrown with penalties in this football game, but with some review, reviews. Excuse me. That I mean, ooh. But again, we're not gonna blame them because uh, this is probably one of the first games in a long time. I know I'm back and forth here. It's probably one of the first games in a long time where I truly could blame a referee for not necessarily the outcome, but the final score, 34 to 17. Or 37-17, sorry. I mean, we, we took care of business. Again, it was 37-7 there in the fourth quarter before they get a touchdown later. But this game really, I believe, could have been 51-7 to if, if Georgia really wanted it to be had it not been for the referees. I, I truly do believe that I credit probably one, two touchdowns, maybe ten points at least to the officiating in this football game. And – not necessarily that Georgia has to have the calls, but looking penalties-wise, Georgia Tech got six penalties in this game for 36 yards. Georgia got the same amount of penalties, six, but for 70 yards. Not that that necessarily is a huge difference. You don't necessarily have to look at that number and say, okay, this is uh, the difference maker in the football game, but it does hurt and it does help against some of these reviews as well. I mean, Stetson Bennett had to go in and get uh, three touchdowns before we finally actually got a true touchdown that was recorded uh, on, on replays that I just – I still – again, I really do think that the difference in this could have been seven to seven to 14 points on officiating alone Georgia's way. Um, and, again, not going to blame the referees here because it didn't change the outcome of the game as much as it changed what that final score may have been in this football game. And it was really like that across the country. There were quite a few other games that the officiating was just not really up to par. So when it comes to no-dumb penalties, offensively, we didn't necessarily look too bad as far as that goes. But, I mean, we still had there were still some dumb penalties out there. And luckily – all right, let me scratch that. It really wasn't dumb penalties on Georgia's fault. It was penalties called against Georgia that turned out to be dumb because of, because of officiating. So I'm, I'm really not going to chalk that one up to Georgia. Playing within yourself offensively as well, uh, which kind of – Turns back to, hey, just play within yourself. 
this is also part of not getting dumb penalties, throwing a guy up against a brick wall in Atlanta, uh, <clears throat> George Pickens. But, you know, we did a pretty good job at that. There wasn't a whole lot of chippiness between the two teams. There were, you know, from here, from time to time, you'd have a guy a little chippy. But we did fairly well as far as playing within. And I think that's because Georgia knows what it has on its horizon. You know, it, it's get in here, take care of business, get out of here. You know, you're at home. It's a senior day. A lot of emotions for some players, parents, families, fans, coaches, all of the which, all of the above. Uh, but I think we did good as far as that goes as well, playing with them. And then defensively, got to pressure the quarterback. In this football game, we end up with four sacks on the night, 11 tackles for loss. Uh, and for a little while, there, there was quite opportunity for Georgia Tech to have time to sit back in the pocket and actually throw. Um, looking at some of the stats, Georgia ends with 407 total yards. Tech ends with 255, but Tech threw the ball. 20 for 36 was that stat line, 215 yards. 215 through the air uh, for Tech Georgia, only 143 yards for, through the air, but we only threw the ball 20 times. 11 for 20. Stetson Bennett goes 10 for 18, 140 yards. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, which was good. Carson Beck did come in one for two, three yards on the one pass. Did also have a fumble in the game, which was a little tough. So we did good as far as no turnovers in this football game offensively. That didn't happen. Uh, tackle, we did a lot better tackling in this game. Still could have had a little bit better tackling in the first half, but the second half we really ramped it up. and uh, We did force the one fumble. Didn't have any interceptions in this game, but did force uh, the one fumble in the game, which did help a good bit there. So defensively did pretty good. Did pretty good at all three of those keys. Offensively did okay as far as no dumb penalties, um, such as throwing somebody against the wall and playing within yourself. Kind of They kind of go together. Um, but we did not start fast, at least as far as the keys in this game go. So that was kind of what we had as far as looking at it there. I did want to pull back up a stat because the difference in the first half and the second half, in the fourth quarter of this game, I tweeted it out, there was at one point in the second half of this football game that Georgia Tech had only had they were they were negative two yards in the second half of that football game. I usually put up the stat at halftime of what Georgia looks like yardage wise, what Georgia Tech looks like yardage wise, how we're matching up again. It was a ten to seven football game at the half, um, so very close. Uh, but then second half, Tech ended up again with negative two yards at one point. See if I can get it to pull back up the difference in the first half and the second half. So the first half in this game, yeah, let's see. Come on, come on. Two yards in the second half. Minus two yards is what they had in the second half. Sorry, I'd do it a little better if I had all this stuff up, wouldn't I? First half. Stetson Bennett was 5 for 10, 28 yards. He ends up. 10 for 18, so he only threw the ball eight more times, but he was at 28 yards. He ended up with 112 in the second half and another touchdown there in the second half. We had only rushed the ball 16 times for 125 yards. We ran all down Georgia Tech's throat in this football game, all down their throat. We ended up 264 yards on 41 rushes on the ground, two touchdowns, two touchdowns coming on the ground. Tech was outgaining us at the time, 187 yards to 153, and again at one point in this football game in the second half, Tech had negative two yards in the second half. That was the difference. The key was turning that game around in the second half like a, like a light switch, really. They end up with 255 total yards. They had 187. So what's that, 55, and then you got – I lost my number. 
187, 13, so 68 yards in the second half. That number feels wrong, but 68 yards in the second half, not too bad. And all of that, I think, really came at that last little touchdown drive that Georgia Tech put together. But overall, a good game defensively. Looked really good in this game, with exception to that really first drive. And by the time they had scored that second second touchdown in the fourth quarter, we had, again, second, third, and probably even four-string guys in there, which was one of the keys that I said. Not necessarily, It wasn't one that we put on the screen, at least, but it was one of the keys was get in this football game, get out healthy. Let's get some of these second-string guys, third-string guys, backups in the game, not only for experience, but also to be to be healthy. And I think we had a couple of guys that did go down with injury, um, even in even in first string, but in that second string and beyond in the second half of this football game, especially that fourth quarter. I can't remember who it was that went down defensively, uh, but it looked like he was in a lot of pain. Don't have an update on that. We'll see, and we'll probably talk about that once we get to – uh, prepping for LSU later this week once we have more information that comes out of Kirby, you know, generally getting his presser on Monday, see what he's looking at as far as LSU goes, getting updates on injury. Didn't have A.D. Mitchell back in this game. I did see where he was warming up and actually going through uh, warm-ups before the game. He's looking a lot better. Um, I feel like this is probably a good week, similar to how Georgia or George Pickens was last year, prepping for the SEC championship game. We started to get to where we saw George Pickens show up. And then he got more touches in that uh, in that game, and then even more in the national championship. By the time we got to it, Michigan. So maybe that's kind of the same situation that's going to happen here with Ad Mitchell. I'm hopeful for that. You know, that's kind of Kirby's way of hopeful. Not necessarily the most exciting thing to hear from him, but that's what it is. Um, Georgia looked good in this football game. 16 in comparison to 15 on the first downs. We did good. Third down efficiency, right at 50%, six for 13. Two for two on fourth downs, did good at that again. Our red zone offense has been good all season. These little plays we have right at, right at the one and two yard line, I would love to see some of that cleaned up. I mean, I know you don't have a full field to work with anymore, but we should be able to push the ball in, whether it's running as good as these running backs are and our offensive line has good push. Or something, some kind of little out. You got Stetson, you got running backs, and you got great tight ends as well as good wide receivers. We should be able to score fairly easily once we get on the two yard line. And we're starting to have a little bit of flashbacks a few years ago, like 2020, where that just wasn't happening very well. I think it was 2020 we played Florida and we're sitting on their goal line for like eight straight plays and could not score, um, which is a scary thing to look back to. But we should be able to score at will once we get on the two-yard line. A little bit of that needs to be fixed, a little bit of that I'd like to see better. But that could, again, go back to we might not be showing everything. We may be, you know, that could be like a two-point conversion thing that we need in the future that we don't want to show our cards to because essentially it's the same thing with exception to obviously you have more plays uh, to get the first down in there. But passing the ball. They outgained us 215 to 143. We outrushed them 264 to 40. Again, you're not going to run on this Georgia defense. That's one of the things that I do love. Uh, LSU is a decent running team. They got a good running quarterback, um, and that's going to be. We'll talk about that this week, but that's going to be one of the keys is is locking down the run game like we've been able to do. Um, which I think between running the ball and stopping the run, offensively we look good. Defensively, we've always looked good uh, in that stat. So. I'm proud to see that at least. Again, penalty yardage wasn't that great. Time of possession was pretty even, and we both had two turnovers, or excuse me, one turnover each, both of which were fumbles. 
in this football game. The dog of the week, I picked it 44 to three. By the way, going back to the prediction real quick before we get to that, uh, 44 to three, and I thought we were going to get there because it was 37 to seven at one point. I was like, okay. The three obviously ain't going to work, but I'd be okay with being all four points. One more touchdown, Georgia would have had right there in the fourth quarter. It'd have been forty-four to seven, and I'd have taken being all four points. Ends up thirty-seven to fourteen. Again, your defensive stat leader uh, in this game, Smile Munden Jr. Six total tackles, five of those are solo. One and a half on the tackle for loss. He and Tyke Smith. Tyke Smith also ended up with a sack in this game. So did Marvin Jones Jr. He was the one I believe that got hurt. Bear Alexander there in the fourth quarter as well. Michael Williams and MJ Sherman getting in on a couple there as well. So defensively, again, rocking and rolling. Offensively, Kenny Mack running for 86 yards, a touchdown. Dejon Edwards, 57 yards. Kendall Milton, 56 yards, a touchdown, 44 of the long. And he looked good. He looked very good getting back in. Kendall Milton getting healthy is a good thing. He may, to me, Dejon Edwards, Branson Robinson, those are your punishers. Those are the Nick Chubb of 17. Run you over, run through you as hard as they can. Kenny Mack, very shifty, reminds me a lot of DeAndre Swift. Uh, and then Kendall Milton reminds me a lot of Sonny Michelle. A little bit of shiftiness, too. Can kind of run you over, but he's mainly the speedster. Um, but we ran the ball very effectively in this game. Receiving category, two receptions for Kenny McIntosh, 96 yards. He's the leading charge there, 83 long, that big 83-yarder down the left side. Brock Bowers, five touches, 20 yards, had a touchdown. Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint also had that first touchdown in the first quarter there as well. Darnell with the one catch for 11. Dylan Bell, one catch for eight as well. So we got some good touches in there, but that brings us to our dog of the week which has got to go to Kenny Mack. I mean, he ends up 12 carries, like we just said, 86 yards, two receptions, 96 yards, one touchdown on the night, 182 total yards in this football game. It's credit to him, him alone. Stetson Bennett, 140 yards uh, passing and 21 yards on the ground. So he ends up with 161 total yards himself. A couple of touchdowns through the air still doesn't match up to what Kenny McIntosh ends up, 182 total yards through the air on the ground, one touchdown. Look great. Look great. Uh, so congrats out to Kenny Mack in this football game uh, as well. So that kind of wraps up the clean old-fashioned hate against Georgia Tech. Ending up senior night. Thank you to all you seniors. We'll put a post up uh, for those guys on social media, at Dog Talk 20 on Twitter, if you guys want to follow us there sometime later on this week because we still got more business to handle. We still got more business to get to before we have to worry about those guys being gone. That's one fun thing, an exciting thing to look at. Uh, as we move forward so let's get to some of these other games around the country before we look at the picks of the week and we get to the top seven that i did put out uh that i do want to talk to you guys about because i think it matters it does it, my opinion anyway my opinion doesn't have to be yours but i think i think when you see it you'll see what i mean so games around the week or around the country had some big ones, big ones that matter a lot. I'm going to go through real quick just kind of a list that I have here of some of them. Utah taking care of Colorado, which they needed to do. Utah, and I think now it's going to be Utah and USC playing in the Pac-12 championship game uh, after USC ends up taking down Notre Dame 38-27. At one point, uh, USC was really putting it to Notre Dame, but fight the fighting Irish of Notre Dame. They were doing exactly that, trying to fight back number 13 versus number 5. Uh, but wasn't enough in the end, and I'm fairly certain that Caleb Williams may have just wrapped up the Heisman Trophy right there in that game because he looked very good passing the ball. He looked very good running the ball as well in it. So that kind of gets two games out of the way. Uh, there, Penn State beating Michigan State 35-16. 
TCU demolishing Iowa State 62-14. to I think it's going to be TCU and Kansas State uh, in that Big 12 matchup. I was looking to see if Kansas State's game was even on here. Yeah, Kansas State beats Kansas 47-27. to So there's your Big 12 matchup. That's to determine can TCU win that game. If TCU wins that game, they're in. If they don't, here's where shakeup starts. USC having to play, uh, I just said it, Utah. Utah, if USC wins that game, in my opinion, we're going to talk about it in a minute, I think USC's in. If they don't, there's where the shakeup comes in. Georgia, fairly simply, you've got to beat LSU, which, by the way, got beat by Texas A&M, a 4-7 and seven football team, 7, something like that, like a 4-7 and seven football team, and LSU went and lost. What? 38-23. A&M beats them. And all of a sudden, the SEC championship game doesn't look like a game for LSU to play to get in the playoffs as much as it looks like a game for LSU to play to hope that they can go to a good bowl game. <laughs> because all of a sudden, they get beat by Texas A&M. Their playoff hopes are gone, completely gone. And it makes the SEC championship matchup coming up this week a little less interesting. Not nearly as exciting as it was going to be where you have a one, possibly a two versus a four, possibly a five team uh, in LSU coming in. I think they were fifth coming into this, but all of a sudden that game just doesn't have nearly the structure that it looked like it was going to have. As a matter of fact, I think even the, the pricing on, on tickets to that game already has just completely plummeted since LSU's game last week or last night, so it just doesn't matter quite as much all of a sudden. Then some of the other big ones, Alabama taking care of Auburn 49-27 to uh, in the Iron Bowl. Then you had the big one, big one of the day, Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan taking care of Ohio State. First time winning at Ohio State since 2000. Also back-to-back -back seasons, Michigan beating Ohio State 45-23. to That was number three versus number two. So you might have a little bit of movement there in the top four because of that, um, which we'll get to here in just a minute. USC, Notre Dame we talked about. <laughs> Florida State beating Florida. Way to go. Way to go, Knowles. 45-38. to uh, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Duke, Troy. Come on, Troy, beating Arkansas State, 48-49, or 19. They're going to be playing for uh, for the Sun Belt at home. That'll be fun for them. Mississippi State upsetting Ole Miss, 24-22. Kent State winning in overtime. Come on, 30-27 over Buffalo. Washington ends up holding off Washington State, 51-33. South Carolina upsetting Clemson. 31 to 30. Things are looking good up there in the Beamer Ball. Kind of exciting for them. Texas beats Baylor 38 to 27. That's some of the really big ones around the country. There may be one or two others that I'm overlooking, but I think that's the main ones, at least as, as far as what we have that's coming up. Here's the picks from the week. If I can get my page to work, that doesn't want to at the moment. All right. I'll move it myself. Anyways, this is what we had on the picks. Much, much better this week. Kind of wish I wouldn't have gone with the spread versus Georgia because every time I do the spread for Georgia, we just don't seem to cover it. So anytime I put the spread up there, you guys just don't take it because every time I do it, they don't. And when I don't, they do. So took Georgia, took them with the points. Had we got that last touchdown and not given up another one, you know, we'd have covered it, but it didn't happen. So one and one, not bad, but I took South Carolina with the points at least. I didn't know if South Carolina could pull it out, um, and they almost didn't, but I knew that they could cover that 14 and a half, and they did. Pulled the, pulled the entire game out by one. 
Oh, but that's it. South Carolina plus 14 and a half. No way. I knew there was no way Clemson was going to win it by that um, if they wanted it all, and they didn't. So, South Carolina, I'll take those points. That's two and one on the week. Then Florida State over Florida is what I took. I also took Florida State in the points. Thought they'd beat them by at least 10. Uh, they ended up beating them by a touchdown, but I'll still take it one and one on that. That puts me to three and two. And then give me Michigan. I had a feeling. I just had the feeling. I didn't care if Michigan was going to Ohio State. From what I have seen all season, Michigan's defense has looked good. And their offense comes alive. Comes alive. And I had that same feeling. As long as Michigan's running back, and I almost ate my words at the end of the week because I thought their running back was going to be out, Blake Corum. But it wasn't just him that ran this game. All of a sudden, they could throw the ball, too. Something that I think Ohio State really took for granted and did not think that Michigan would be able to do is throw the ball. And they did very, very, very well offensively against Ohio State on both sides. Both sides, running the ball as far as running the ball and throwing the ball. So I took Michigan. Michigan plus the points there, plus seven and a half. And give me that. Look at there. End up five and two. Last week we go two and six. This week, if I'd have taken South Carolina, we'd have went six and two and flipped it completely. Uh, so still above five hundred by eight games. So forty eight, forty and two on the season. I'll take it. Not too bad. But I'm I'm really proud of that Michigan and Ohio State when they're just because again, uh, to me, Michigan has looked better all year. All I've seen is Ohio State people chirping all year. Oh, we're back. We're back. We're coming back in the playoffs. Oh, uh, and and I I want to say this too. Watching all of the graphics, watching all of the graphics that ESPN has even put it up. They even put it up during the game. I don't remember if it was the Georgia game. I don't remember what game it was. They put it up during the game of what a 12-team playoff would look like right now. And every time they would put a graphic up, they put it up as if Michigan lost to Ohio State. Every single time they put it up as if Michigan lost to Ohio State. And Michigan was like the number five team in the country instead of being the number three or the number two team in the country. And I kept, that was very, very frustrating to me because I kept thinking, Michigan's not going to lose. And if they do, it's going to be a close one. But I still have more faith in Michigan winning this football game than I did Ohio State. And I stuck with it, stuck with the guns, and believed that it would happen. Lo and behold, it does end up happening. Michigan takes them out. And it was little, 45-23. to 23, They beat the snot out of them. Really good football game. I mean, they beat them by 22. Um, there's a very, very strong possibility this will kind of ease into my top seven. There's a strong possibility that uh, Michigan could end up jumping Georgia because of that, because of that and that alone to where that's such a big win for Michigan, for the number two team or number three team over the number two team in the country. That may be enough for them to say, hey, all of a sudden, Michigan actually looks a little better than Georgia. They look better this week as far as taking care of a team who was undefeated, taking care, winning on the road, loud atmosphere. Even though it's a rival, they did such a good job that hey, we got to give this game to them. We got to give this to Michigan. We got to give them the nod for the number one team in the country because of this. You know, now Michigan's going to go on to play Purdue, Purdue in the Big Twelve or Big Ten championship game. I think had LSU won yesterday against Texas A&M and convincingly and Georgia beating them as a number four or number five team in the country depending on how it ranks out that if Georgia fell down to number two there was the possibility that Georgia could jump back to that number one spot beating that team but I don't know I really don't know exactly what's going to happen but it leads me to my top seven the top seven that I think and should be the way that it lines up and I'll kind of explain why I think Georgia should be one Michigan two 
TCU at three, USC at four, Ohio State five, Alabama six, and Tennessee at seven. That's who I would have in the top seven. Now, we'll talk about the shakeups in a minute, but I have Georgia over Michigan solely looking back over games. Let me just look at the schedule here and what Georgia lined up. You can go back in the strength of schedule, all of that, strength of record, all of that stuff changes week to week. Because take South Carolina, for instance, that Georgia drummed, drummed them. All of a sudden, three weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, they've beaten a top 10 team. They take down, uh, who did they take down first? Kentucky. I don't think that mattered as much. Then they end up taking down Tennessee, who was fighting to be in the college football playoff. They took their chances of getting in the playoff out. Then they go and beat Clemson, took their chances of being in the playoff out. All of a sudden, they're a better-looking football team, probably going to be a top 25 team after the way they've won these past three weeks. Committee will look at that and say, okay, they may be a 24, 25, might not put them very high, but they're still a really good football team. And Georgia took care of them. Georgia also took care of Oregon at the start of the season, who at the end of this season has all of a sudden fallen apart. They, they still score, but the defense is all of a sudden not doing a very good job losing to Oregon State yesterday after having a fairly good lead. So there's some of those things to kind of look at. Some of these games that Georgia has played against inferior opponents, some of these games that Georgia has played against teams who have all of a sudden showed up and looked much, much better. Tennessee, for example, Georgia took care of business at the house against them. Mississippi State, you know, there's some of these games that weren't as good. Even this game against Tech didn't look as good, but I still think there are some of those games that Michigan was the same way. Some of the games that Michigan has already played, that's where you have to look at these resumes, look at the strength, strength of schedule, where these games are played, all of which it's going to come in to deciding, all right, who do you put, Michigan 1, Georgia 2, or vice versa? That's going to be a conversation to be had, and there's just enough juice to keep it somewhat shaken up because really one and two, it's either Michigan or it's Georgia. That's all there is to it. Not a lot of shakeup there. Three, four, five, six, seven. That's really the top seven to me is going to be kind of answering the bell of, all right, this is the guys literally, truly, who are on the outside looking in who don't have a chance if these top four teams win, if they win. Then you got TCU, USC. I think USC jumps up to that four spot after a big win, obviously, against Notre Dame, who wasn't all that good of a football team at the start of the season, but the second half of this season have resurged and came back with a vengeance and all of a sudden looked like a really good football team. I mean, they still fought very well in this game and lost by 11 points. Um, but I still think USC being that four team. There, I saw another conversation that was going on that, from a media standpoint, Michigan versus USC looks like a lot more fun matchup if that's what the top one and four end up being when that time comes, that would be a more fun matchup than a Georgia, uh, uh, Georgia USC matchup. I don't know. I don't know if that would or wouldn't, um, but we'll see. But I have Ohio State at five, right there on the outside looking in. They don't play in a conference championship game. There's nothing they can do. Alabama's the same way. So is Tennessee. All three of those teams, right outside of the top four, it's not up to them. They're just sitting there watching and hoping. One or two, if you're in that six or seven spot, one or two of those top four teams lose. If Georgia loses to LSU, I'm not saying that they're definitely in, but I would still have them in maybe at the four spot at that point instead of the one spot or two or three. Uh, but I, I still think regardless Georgia's in, I think regardless of what happens with Michigan, I think they're in, especially if they put them in that number one ranking. Uh, TCU has to win, and so does USC. Both of those teams have to win, even though TCU is undefeated. Um, the li most likely of which I think is is very tough with those bottom two. 
TCU, you got to come ready to play against Kansas State this upcoming week. Same with USC having to play uh, Utah. Utah is, is a team that can come in there and also ruin your chances to be able to play for what you want to. So those two have the toughest teams. Michigan playing Purdue, not as tough. Georgia against LSU, all of a sudden doesn't look quite as tough either. Not that it won't be a tough football game, but it looks a lot more easy and an easier road to hoe, even though it's still going to be a top 25 team when that game comes. Uh, but that's kind of the, the mix up there. So if I'm looking at the way and the scenarios of this changing up and all of a sudden you're getting other teams in, I do not think, and it depends on what the committee does on Tuesday, is the two-loss Alabama, and I put them above Tennessee for this reason, Alabama lost to LSU, who turns out to be a pretty good football team, and they lost to Tennessee. Okay, So that head-to-head, you would think, okay, Tennessee should be above them. But Tennessee lost to Georgia, which is the number one team in the country, rightfully so. That should still put you above them. But then they lost to South Carolina, who at the time was not good. Now, South Carolina's turned things around. Again, I think they're going to be a top 25 team, so all of a sudden that looks better. So then you have to look at the committee and say, okay, which losses mean more? All of a sudden the losses start to actually matter more than you would think they might. Uh, But I still give Alabama just a slight edge because I think their losses, again, close losses, wasn't big losses. I mean, South Carolina stomped Tennessee. Georgia beat Tennessee handily. Alabama's couple of losses, very, very close football games by a point, two points, I think, at most uh, in those games. So granted, Alabama could have lost a couple more games. It's true, Texas, there's a couple other games that they could have lost as well. But I see this scenario playing out, Georgia winning out, Michigan winning out, TCU falls to Kansas State, all of a sudden Ohio State finds themselves back in there. If TCU and USC fall, all of a sudden you get an Ohio State and Alabama both getting to kind of slip in there. I think you take a two-loss Alabama over a one-loss TCU. I think all season, as close as these games have come for TCU, they have to win out to be in. Because I think that one loss is enough for us to go, okay, you've had moments, but you finally had the hiccup, and that hiccup, unfortunately, is going to cost you. It's going to cost you playing in the college football playoff. Uh, so that's that's what it boils down to. Again, I think it's Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, with Ohio State, Alabama, and Tennessee right there on the outside looking in. We'll see what the committee does Tuesday. I think this is a week where the committee wants to have a little bit of a shakeup and not so much just putting USC into that top four but probably changing that top one and two. I got a feeling it's probably going to end up being Michigan, Georgia, TCU, USC. They may even give the nod and say, hey, let's move USC and TCU and give USC third and keep TCU at fourth instead of moving them up. I don't know. I don't know if that's something they're going to look at and say, okay, let's do this. Let's really shake up this top four to where nobody knows what's going to happen. The good thing is all four of these teams, and this is what the committee has always wanted, All four of these top four teams are playing for a college football playoff chance, but they're also playing for their conference championships. Georgia's playing for the SEC. Ohio State's playing for the Big Ten. TCU is playing for the Big 12. And USC's playing for the Pac-12. You get all four of those teams playing for their conference championship games. If they win them, it's chalk, just like that. There, you, you might can shake some stuff up. You might can say, okay, Georgia's playing the top 25 in LSU. If they win but they're moved to second, let's give them first over Michigan playing a Purdue, depending on how that game goes, depending on how both of those go. And then the same thing could be said for USC and TCU. I think the committee will also look and say, okay, if we give Georgia the one spot, Georgia gets to go to Atlanta and play in their backyard 
for the first round of the college football playoff instead of having to go to Arizona. You know, that could be a thing, too, where they're like, oh, well, Big 12 and Pac-12, we got USC and and uh, some of these other teams. Or USC, man, I'm blanking. USC and TCU, you know, have them out here in Arizona. Michigan's up here. You know, all of a sudden, maybe they start to look at that. Same thing I said earlier. Maybe the media is driven and they say, no, we'd rather have a, a, a Michigan at one and a USC at four. That's That's a cool matchup to start. Granted, I don't think Georgia and TCU is going to be a very good matchup. Not saying it won't be, but I just don't think it will. So that's that's a looking far ahead, but that's kind of how I feel like it's going to go. I still like Georgia at one. Call me biased. Go ahead. That's fine. I think Georgia's resume speaks for itself, and I also think it's a new year. It's definitely a new year, but I, I still think, just like in the past, I think the committee's done it for Alabama. I think they've done it for Ohio State. I think they've done it for Clemson, where they've gone, hey, this team was in here last year. These two teams played last year. It didn't go so well for one of these teams. I really do think they're going to still slightly look back at that and go, I know that was a different year, but I think we should still weigh it because there's the potential where you might be able to have these two teams playing in the national championship. Granted, if you give them one and two, it doesn't matter. They don't play each other to start anyways. But that's something to look at. So that kind of wraps us up there on what I think things are going to line up to be for the college football playoff committee once it comes Tuesday. They've got some decisions to make. They've got some choices to make. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. The biggest thing is take care of business. We've said this week in and week out. If you take care of your business, everything will handle itself. I don't think this committee is going to make it so chalk that there's nothing to talk about this coming week. There's still the biggest conversation this week coming into these games should be this. If the top four teams take care of their business, it doesn't matter. It's decided. But if they don't, all of a sudden they're going to talk about this five, six, seven, possibly even an eight. But really, five and six are the two sitting right there. Do they give Alabama that six spot? Do they give it to Tennessee since Tennessee beat Alabama? Because five and six are the two that are going to be sitting there going, okay, if these top bottom two, if three and four were to lose in this situation, if TCU, USC were to lose in this situation, possibly Michigan, but I don't think that's that's the case. Uh, I think even if Michigan somehow lost, they might still get the edge. But regardless, if these two teams fall, all of a sudden you get two teams that are on the outside looking in, in. They get to walk through that door. The door is open for them. If one of them falls, that team that's sitting in fifth is going to matter because they, again, door opens, they get to walk right through it. So that's that's... That should be where the conversation is probably going to be driven Tuesday. It'll be chalk as far as if these top four teams win, this is what you've got. Outside of they may mix it up a little and say, okay, do we want Georgia and TCU playing here and Michigan and USC? That's what I think. I think maybe you, maybe that's the possible swap up if these four teams win. Is all right, Georgia one, TCU four. Give USC jumping TCU one spot, and you get you still get Michigan TCU playing each other uh, in the middle, and you put them out in Arizona, and Georgia gets to play in the backyard. They may look at that as a well, that's kind of a disadvantage, making Michigan go all the way to Arizona, and Georgia just gets to play in their backyard. They may say, no, send Georgia to Arizona, let let Michigan drop down to Atlanta, but then all of a sudden, you know, it it a lot of intricacies to it, and none of it really matters one way or another because it's not up to us. That's kind of the unfortunate thing about it. I say unfortunate. I really don't want anything to have to do with it because if it's up to me, you heard my top seven. That's who I'm going with, and I don't think it matters. My opinion doesn't matter. Not when it comes to that, anyways. 
But I appreciate you guys listening. I look forward to checking in with you guys as we get prepared for the SEC championship game coming up later this week. And we'll make sure to check in with you guys. Then make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at DogTalk20. YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button as well. If you guys are listening, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are, make sure you give us that five-star review. Leave a review. I'll make sure that I read it on an upcoming episode as we gear up for the end of the season. End of the regular season. Already done. Over. We're getting ready for conference championship game, and we're getting ready to see if the Dolls can make another run at the playoffs. Very exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. Go Dolls.